On our journey to interacting with the world around us, we are bound to encounter limitations of different forms, from adversity, traumatic experiences, and failures, all of which can lead to negative thoughts and limiting beliefs that could prevent us from reaching our full potential. On the self-transformation journey with Reed, we will be sharing insights that would spur a positive transformation on your beliefs and behaviors, enabling you to overcome any potential limitations and steering you towards a fulfilled life. Hi everyone, welcome to the self-transformation journey with Reed. I am your host, Reed Wongbolagade, and I am super excited to start this journey with everybody. This is the first episode, and on this episode, we will be discussing self-limiting beliefs how to break free from self-limiting beliefs and i have an amazing guest speaker in the house in person of steph red thank you for joining steph red thank you reed thanks for having me thank you and um, i must say that um, you're an inspiration to me from um, following your insights on instagram and um the the work you do with the leadership um, coaching academy thank you for what you do going right into it steph red is a trained linguist certified life coach, emotional intelligence and cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner. She has coached individuals and organizations locally and internationally at different phases of their career and life journeys, helping them to redirect many, you know, on the trajectory of optimized living. So, I mean, just just going right into it, I feel like um, we should um, talk about self-limiting beliefs. My view of it before now is that we have these beliefs that get to hold us back from achieving our full potential limiting beliefs right uh, they're like the thoughts that you that you believe to be like absolute truth about about yourself and they hold you back from being your best self or from pursuing your goals so diving right into it Steph, right how would you you know define self-limiting beliefs where do they even get to come from hmm. okay limiting beliefs in themselves if we're going to first based on the background many times we do not recognize that we have limiting beliefs and beliefs are pretty much formed from environments so they become self-limiting beliefs when we apply them to ourselves so first of all what are we need to start from beliefs right beliefs are created from environments there are those things that we hold on to as true that we hold on to as final over our lives over the things that we particularly stand on strongly and every human being, like we say, we're born tabula rasa. Mm. All human beings are born tabula rasa. And we become, the process of becoming starts from nurturing progressively through various life environments. So when a child comes, imagine a brand new baby. He doesn't fear anything. He's not, the only things that make a baby fear is a very loud sound and falling. Those are the two things that we come to earth with. The fear of falling. That's why when you throw a baby up, they kind of, they stretch. You just see the freeze and they start screaming. Mm -hmm. So one, the fear of falling and the fear of very loud sounds because it pretty much jolts them and causes them to be wondering what it is because it's strange. Every other fear grows on us by what we see, by what we hear, by what we experience. So our approach to life is progressive. How we respond to things, how we respond to people, how we evaluate and view ourselves is as a result of what we have seen, what we have heard, 
and what we have experienced. And what do we see? We see people responding. The first place of nurturing is the home parenting, right, right. which is also the first place of leadership. So our beliefs start forming from there, from what daddy says, no, or what mommy says, no, or they say, no, that's not for you. Oh, oh, you stupid child. Oh, you, you're a weakling like your grandfather. Mm. All those different things from abuse, from whether verbal, physical, sexual abuse, from every kind of thing that we experience. Sometimes we don't experience it. Sometimes we see it happen to other people. Right. And it forms how we think. And by our beliefs that are formed, it defines our attitudes, our behaviors, shapes our habits, and then become our life practice. So what the entire thing of self-limiting beliefs, it starts from, it becomes self-limiting beliefs when we take that on ourselves. To say, women of my kind do not get married. Why? So which is why one of the things we're doing coaching is begin to ask such questions. What makes you believe so? And for every time on all my coaching and therapy tables, I have always been forced, which was actually what made me get into therapy. Because of course I started with coaching. But I recognize that even when people stay there stuck, it is often tied to something that happened at a particular time of their lives mm. that they have unconsciously moved through with. And they are 50, but they are stuck at age 15. Right. If, it, if it's okay, do you want me to stop or I just want to... No, no, go right, go, go right into it. Yeah, please do. Go right I, into well, it. I'll just be one of my, one of several clients and it's, it's, it's always a situation. I'll just pick up this particular guy. Who says he's an introvert? And I've, I've been I've been speaking a lot about introversion and extroversion. Introversion does not mean timidity, right. and extroversion does not mean confidence. Right. You have introverted people that are confident and very very confident and courageous in themselves. They just learn. They rather just observe long enough before they come forward. But they are bold. They rather not just be the one speaking. But there are also ex people that we consider extroverts who talk and want to be the life of the party because they feel that talking covers up their insecurities. Right. They feel that when they are quiet, it will be observed that they are not confident or that they lack something. So they talk. They are talk active because they are trying to hide something. So extroversion is not always confidence. It should be, could be an ability. It could be a hideout to cover a fear. Just like Will Smith gave a typical example that. He, he resorted to comedy because that was his only way out to escape an abusive father. Yes. So he said that comedy was his escape route from that he had to be the comedian and the joker of the house to make his father laugh so that the father won't transfer the aggression to him. So comedy was his escape. It wasn't because it was. So he found comedy to save himself. That was his, that was his anchor. That was his safe place. All right. So when he's all in comedy, he, he's actually, he can, you see people that can actually be, they are actually traumatized, but they are laughing. That's why you wonder why would someone that is so, that looks so happy commit suicide, right? Right. Because it is extroversion does not mean confidence summary and introversion does not mean timidity. So in this person's case, I just said I'm an introvert because I don't like to talk. Okay, see, you don't you don't like to talk because you don't want to, or because you rather just observe, or because there's something else. And just from questioning, he said the last time, and then he said, Oh, I actually wasn't always an introvert. I used to be an extrovert. I said, Okay, tell me about the last time. And then he went back. This is a full grown man in his mid-30s. Mm -hmm. 
And he talked about a situ something that happened in secondary school where he was supposed to make a presentation on the assembly hall, on the assembly ground, and it went wrong and everybody laughed at him. Mm, right. And after they laughed at him, he felt so embarrassed and told himself he would never speak in public again. So this was during one of my communication classes because I actually had my, my communication classes are infused with behavioral therapy and, and NLP. Oh, nice. So part of why do you communicate the way you communicate and when the part of introversion and extroversion and how do you know you are an introvert? And that's where all of that came out. And suddenly for him, it was a eureka moment that, ah, this thing that I'm actually, oh, I'm an introvert, so I can't speak to my boss. I'm an introvert, so I always like, I let things pass over me in the office. I, I do, I'm not able to stand up to talk to my boss. I, I feel that I stammer. And all of it actually started from what happened to him on the assembly ground. Wow. He oh. lost his confidence. He lost his self-esteem and it has led, it has been with him through these years. But it took questioning to help him realize that he had been stuck at age 14. He had advanced with age, but he was still stuck mentally. So anytime he wants to speak to his boss, he stammers. But when he was speaking for every time he's about to stammer, I tell him to stop, breathe, start all over again. He speaks normally. So I said, you just spoke to me normally without stammering. What makes you stammer? So pretty much when he stands before someone of authority, he feels he's not good enough. He fears that he's going to be laughed at. He fears that he won't present well. And because of that, he starts stammering. And when he stammers, it makes it more evident. Rather, it proves more to the people that probably, oh, this one's going to stammer because he's actually stammering from a place of fear. Powerful. And over the years, people would tell him, oh, you stammer, you stammer, but People, if you recognize, stammering can be stopped because it, it could it could actually just be a an anxiety, fear for something, apprehension that is making you show up that way, that is making you communicate that way. And it is also the things that we tell ourselves that now begin to stand in our way. And sometimes we think it's other people that are treating us that way, but actually we are the ones treating ourselves, putting ourselves in that position. So one of the first things I always advise people is question everything. Right. Question, start from, why do I talk the way I talk? Why do I sound the way I sound? Why do I dress the way I dress? What makes me like this? What makes me like that? Many, we were not born, remember, tabula rasa. You came liking nothing. If a baby's first food is bitter leaf, the baby will grow up thinking bitter leaf is sweet. Perfect. But... When you teach a child a thing, they hold on to that. And which is why that part of the matrix is so, it's so in, illuminating for me when he said, when the, when he went to meet the Oracle and the Oracle, he was asking the Oracle, how was she able to bend the spoon? And the Oracle told her, because there is no spoon, told him, told mm -hmm. Neo, said, Neo, yeah. there's no spoon, meaning that nothing means anything except the meaning that you give to it. Right. Mm. And when I wanted to, it was pretty much what I told myself when I recognized it was okay, I have to start taking beaters, uh, beaters because they're good for, well, actually beaters are one of those things that are very good for the health, they lower blood sugar and they do a lot, help with a lot of digestive things. They're like, why does it have to be so bitter? And then I started, I started rewiring my mind about how I, I look at food and how I look at sweet and bitter. And I told myself it is bitter because I have been trained to believe it is bitter. Mm -hmm. And all I need to do is just, it is just a taste. Bittersweet doesn't mean anything. So take it. Right, right. Powerful, I like, must say. 
powerful, right? And I think what you've captured, right, um, about self-limiting beliefs, you've um, found a succinct way to, you know, capture capture it on a high level. And from what you said, I get that, you know, limiting beliefs would um, they get to stem from past um, negative experiences, and they lead to a yes. change in narrative for us as humans. And yeah. when your narrative changes to negative, right, you're telling yourself things that are not true. In that moment, you're identified yes. with your mind, with thoughts that are Absolutely. even wrong. And I mean, it, it leads to that phase where you then start to have a um, coping mechanism to protect yourself from the pain so that you yes. don't hurt yourself again, right? And you see yes. people, like you said, you you overtalk or you, you just do something that is out of the way. And meanwhile, you're actually not living to your full potential you're running away from your fear from from the pain and i i also think that you know yes. maybe these things yes. get to you know they lead to negative behaviors or emotions per se like imposter syndrome anxiety i mean different things that could you know come from limiting beliefs so my next question would then be you know having this understanding on the eye level how do we identify self-limiting beliefs how do we sit to say that okay if i look at my family what are the limiting beliefs that I have? If I look at my work, if I look at my relationship, because like you said, people are not even aware that they have yes. this, you know, limiting beliefs imposed on themselves. And it, 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 it can hold people back from even doing so much more than they, that they are currently doing now. So how do you think, you know, we get to identify the self-limiting beliefs? Thank you for that. So I think the first thing where we should start from, I, I'd already talked a bit about it, about questioning. Questioning our preferences, our likes, our inclinations. And I'll quickly use an example of someone who's coaching one, but she said, all men are scum. Mm. And I said, oh, really? Okay. And she was talking about how, I think she just had her, her relationship just went down the drain. I said, all men are scum. They can't trust them. So they just <laughs> use their media. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's, that's nice. I'm like, tell me, how, what makes you feel all men are scum? Say all of them. I was like, okay, t- t- tell me the number of men that you know that are scum. And they should have followed um she, so she called a number of people her father her mm. uncle her sister's husband and so a few people and all together they came to eight i said oh just eight say yes and look at all the patterns i said oh fantastic okay so i said why not multiply that eight by five and she said 40 i said okay multiply the 40 by six <laughs> and she says two forty. i said okay multiply it by another 10 and she says 2400 I said, eh, okay. <laughs> that's the worst, right? So there are 2,400. I said, how many human beings are on planet Earth? Like, estimated at 7 billion, right? Yeah. Okay, so they say women are more than men. Let's give women 5 billion. Okay. <laughs> and women 2 billion. So I said, okay, based on the mathematics that we did in secondary school probability, if you threw, well, I'm not talking about your eight men now. If we threw 2,400 men, into a big canister that holds all the two billion men and shake it up all together. What is the probability that you pick one scum man? Mm. And she was quiet. Mm. I said, for every time you want to, because based on our experiences, we look through the lenses of our experiences and as human beings, we always want to have control of a situation because of the fear of falling, not having control, particularly for for people that have not learned self-manage, you have the feeling of falling, like as though you are you're losing everything. So to 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 hold ourselves or to hold on to something that we have control, we have to look for who to blame, who to judge. Right. 
who to put a responsibility on, which is pretty much what children do, functioning a lot from the emotional brain. So because we want to do that, the sense of closure, that sense of closure that we seek makes us to say, oh, all men are like that because these few men I have seen. And because that is your, that in itself is a limiting belief. Right. Because that is what you have believed, that is most likely what you will always attract. Mm. Because that's all your mind sees. Your mind navigates towards what you focus on. Right. So, the more you believe all men are scum and every man that is coming, you imagine that ah, this one is going to be a scumbag. Of course, <laughs> he is going to act like a scumbag. Self-fulfilling prophecy already. <laughs> Absolutely. So, one of the things we want to track is, oh, I hate, and I'm going to, I'm, I, I, sorry, I do a lot of storytelling. Yes. And I use, I, I, because part of, part of my self-evaluation journey when I began to do that was to question my patterns, question my preferences, my beliefs, so that I could understand first myself and then know how to help people guide through that path, particularly in the table of therapy. True. So I'll quickly give an example of how it was that I always hated pink. I tell the story a lot. How did I get to hate pink so much? When my husband and I, when we were just dating them, I said, when we have children, if we have girls, I'm never going to buy them anything pink. I think it's too soft. I think it's too yucky. I think mm. it's too, my words, I, th- like, I think it's too mako mako. <laughs> I don't like it. I said, I could do the yellows. I could do the browns. I could do the purples. But I definitely wouldn't do pink. pink. And that for me was like, okay, that's fine very odd lady because most ladies like pink i said well i'm not most ladies right <laughs> I, I love red and black and it was that square i said yes maybe like that i like it like that right but when i began my after my coaching certification when i thought to do the soul search of my preferences and my likes and my inclinations and then i was like this love for red where did this love for red start from it wasn't always there it's a learned behavior where did this hatred for pink come from? It's a learned behavior. And I started right. tracking, backtracking. And I found out that I used to actually, I used to love pink as a child. As far back as age seven, on my seventh birthday, my father bought me a, took me to a supermarket. I said I should pick from the clothing section anything I want. I pink, picked a pink shirt and a blue pair of jeans with a pair of black pair of shoes. I wore that and we took a photo shoot, family photo shoot on my birthday. My birthday always falls around Easter period. April 12. We had a family photo shoot. I had my personal, it was all beautiful. April 18, six days later, my dad dies in a gas motor accident. I'm so sorry. And now uh, that's 35 years ago. This was 1987. Now in 1987, there was a particular sitcom. I won't call it a sitcom. Sitcom is, no, it's not a sitcom. It was a series. Let me call it a series. There was a particular series called Willy Willy, played back then in Delta's Bendel State. Uh, it was yes, it was still Bendel State at the time, yeah. 1987. And the story of Willie Willie was that he was a wealthy man who was killed by some of his friends because they wanted to take his wealth. Some of the friends and close member of family. So his spirit refused to rest on the rampage to to kill to avenge his death by killing everyone that had a hand directly or indirectly to his death. So his spirit kept roaming roaming and said it was one particular guy called Nchele that killed him. Mm. So watching that, it was actually a horror series for children back in, it was horror even for some adults. Like imagine the face <laughs> of it was horrible. <laughs> the story that we heard when we went to the village to bury my father was that it was some people that knew him that, that caused his death. 
So when I heard that narrative and I compared it to the narrative of Willy Willy, I was like, oh, so if they kill daddy, that means daddy's spirit will not rest up until he avenges everyone. And that, so it now that so daddy's spirit is around. That was my first fear. And then the day I wanted to wear the pink shirt, I just suddenly felt that, ah, daddy's spirit is around. So that means that this pink shirt that daddy bought for me, mm. his spirit will be there. Right. And every time I want to wear the shirt, I remember I had to wear it from my head. I had a cousin that would always say, Willie, Willie, will catch you, Willie, Willie, will catch you. And I would scream <laughs> and run out. So first, I was I used to be afraid of wearing things through my from my head because then it just blurs my vision. You know that thing, right? right. So just the fact that everywhere is dark. And then it was the shirt. So I started to abhor the shirt. I didn't want to wear it anymore. And I went to hide it. At some point, I burned it. And I remember my mom beat me then. I said it was a mistake, but I burned it intentionally. <laughs> and from there, through the years, I started hating. So every time I see pink, I remember that shirt. Every time I remember the shirt, I remember my father's spirit. So unconsciously, coping mechanism, hating pink was a coping mechanism. Mm. Of which at 36... I thought it was just hatred. I got the, at 30, right? That's when I got married. At 30, I thought it was just hatred. I just hate it. Why? Because I hate it. That's why when people ask me, why do you hate it? Because I hate it. Because I don't just like it. No, it's because you haven't questioned to the root of why you hate it. Hmm. I started questioning at 36. And that's when I discovered in 2016 that it was that fear of wow. my father being in a pink shirt that has made me hate pink through these years. Powerful. So what I told myself was I was going to break it. And I went on Jimmy and bought myself a pink pair of sneakers. Not so pink, just a bit of a blush pink to start gently. You know, you don't just dive, you start from shallow side. <laughs> yeah. So I bought blush pink. And when they delivered it, my husband just said, okay, that's the first pink sneakers. Interesting. I hadn't told him this backstory. I only told him last year. So even though I bought a pink, a blush pink pair of sneakers in 2016, I thought I had handled it until 2021. This is me, certified therapist, certified coach. Mm. And then I went for a training somewhere. I forgot my towel. And my colleague went for a training outside of Lagos. So my colleague that I went with said, okay, he was going to Ijebode town to look for the, did I, do I need anything? I said, yes, I need a, a towel and I need a toothbrush. And the gentleman, God bless him, bought the original pink that God created. Pink, like the real pink. <laughs> Absolute <that> pink. pink. <laughs> that real pink of the real pink and when he sent the driver to bring it to my room as soon as i saw the towel i was like why did you buy me a pink towel wow i immediately i was angry there was this aggression that came out and i took the i went to his room i just took it from the driver and dropped it on the table i didn't want to touch it i went to the room no why did you buy me a pink towel and i was like ah, you're a lady and in that moment i quickly caught myself or recognize you are aggressing towards someone that just did you a favor and in that moment i just said i'm sorry it's not you mm. i would explain later went to my room locked the door so that is it aggression anger in trying to protect a fear as i say fear mm. anger is a mask when someone's angry you want to ask what are you protecting what are you afraid of what are you covering right so there i am this towel and i'm telling myself it's just a power so I had to take myself to therapy that day and tell myself, I'm going to use the towel. The plan was I wasn't going to use it. I was going to use my wrapper to clean my body. <laughs> but then I told myself, no, I, I have to deal with this. I can't be um, I can't be that person that tells people how to deal with theirs or guides people through the path of dealing with theirs. Meanwhile, I have mine stacked up somewhere with full coat, three-piece coat. <laughs> right? So 
I'm telling myself it's just a towel. Right. It's just the color and it's okay. Daddy's not there. Right. But daddy's not there. Daddy died because he died. He mm. had nothing to do with pink. He had nothing to do with the shirt. The shirt was just pink. Pink is okay. So these are the things I was self-talking. I was speaking out loud. I started to weep. I wept like my father just died. This was March 2021. My father died April 1987. Wow. It's long. I only grieved in 2021. At the age of 41. He died when I was 7. I grieved at 41. Wow. I felt it. I felt like he just died. And then I, I, I hear myself, I'm saying, Daddy, I miss you. I wish you were here. I wish you mm. walked me down the aisle. I mm. wish you didn't have to die. Mm. I, 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 I weep. I, I wept, I beg your pardon. I cried deeply. And then I took the towel and wrapped it around myself. And I was speaking those words. I was affirming the words. It's just a towel. It's okay. It's just a towel. Pink is okay. I went through that and then I used a towel to bake that night. I'm enjoying the story okay. this time. It's like I'm picturing it in my head. But I'm listening. Yeah, so the, and, and I like I like to bake paint pictures. I, I do my trainings and everything. I use pictures and I, I, I always use myself as a guinea pig. And I I tell this story so that and so that people can also connect with themselves to ask such questions. So even when I came back, like I was saying, when I came back home where I had all my towels. And then there was this mind over here. Now you have other towels. You don't have to use that pink. I said, I will use it. Mm. I used it up until I got home. So right now, I can go shopping. So typically, I'll navigate towards red. So that red is another story. I'm not going to tell that. But <laughs> I, it's a good story. So I, I don't mind sticking with red. And then I'll go somewhere. I see pink and I intentionally, okay, I'm going to buy that pink dress. Oh, I'm going to buy that pink shoe. Now I am more confident with it because I have, I have zoomed in on it and I've tackled it. So all the thing of irritation and anger and hatred for pink was because of the fear of the story behind that pink. Mm. So part of being able to identify what our limiting beliefs are is start from the things we like and dislike. Mm. Why do I hate this? Great. Why do I like this? Why do I like short men? Why do I hate? No, no, ladies don't like. Why do I hate <laughs> short men? Yeah. Yes. What did short men ever do to anyone? Why? Because all the movies we ever watched was about tall, dark, and handsome. Right. About a tall guy. Which is why when you say you are shaped by what you progressively see and hear, it wasn't quite an issue in our parents' time. It became more of an issue over time with the, with the increase of, of media, of yeah. TV, and what we watch. True. It's, he's, he is always of, of exceptional height and he has a baritone so if you mm. come and have a guy that comes and says hello baby i like him <laughs> say, no, no. does it make him less a man no because it's always the thing in the movies he's tall he has broad shoulders he has a baritone so if the man doesn't have a baritone now for example my husband doesn't have a baritone they're like he doesn't have a baritone wake up in the morning does he have a baritone you know you want to wake up in the morning the nice. so and i so at first I was like, is it baritone that I need for my for the future I want to be in? Is it baritone? Like, and then I told myself, okay, fine. I told him one day, I was like, you know what? It's okay. You don't have the bar- I have the baritone, so I can do it for 12 months. So that's fine. At least the children can take it from me. Boys <laughs> can take it from me. At least. <laughs> Whoever, right? But it just it now also reframing perspective. So just the ability to question why we like what we like and why we hate what we hate. And then just like the probability example i gave juxtaposed with universal beliefs right how is it universally applicable that all short men are demons Mm. that all dark men are heartbreakers 
that all Yoruba men are demons. Is it universally applicable? All Yoruba men are, men are demons. Hmm. Right? Asking this question and comparing with universe, universality, I would say, before we draw a conclusion and also checking the root of why we began to think that way. Because we can actually break patterns. Right. But we repeat patterns when we're not able to track history mm. to know where we are coming from, know what seeds have been planted that will probably have just fruits from. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 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 Beautiful, beautiful. And I mean, you you captured it well, saying that at times we're on this um, patterns that we get to repeat, and we're not even aware to track, you know, the history of when this um, self-limiting beliefs start to happen. And I think from my own personal experience, I've been I've been in the state where, you know, in, in secondary school, I was very good with mathematics. I, mean, I didn't like my chemistry teacher. I don't know for what reason. I think he was always coming off some type of way. So I didn't pay attention to chemistry like that, the way he taught it. And getting to the university my first year, I aced all my mathematics. I had seven points, good scores, 80s and, and the likes. And I realized that for my chemistry, I wasn't doing well. Not because chemistry was hard. But I was just saying, I don't like this course. But then, it stemmed back to my experience with, with the teacher. How, how he gets like, you know, um, how he taught the, the class and his, his demeanor back then. And I just sort of like zoned out yeah. on chemistry. And I mean, looking back now from the story you shared, I, I sort of like understand better why, why it mm. was that way. And, you know, going forward, I know that I mean, I just in my belief when I was able to get to that because to say going forward, nothing is ever hard. I would ever, I wouldn't feel that chemistry is hard because somebody taught it one particular way. So it's about you, you know, breaking free from that pattern, reframing your narrative. And like you said, Absolutely. universality, what, what, what really obtains, what do you have to do? If it's, oh, go online, study, learn. You don't have to project to your teacher. So my teacher didn't teach me well. What can you do? If your teacher didn't teach you, are you going to then, you know, limit yourself or limit what you can do? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's a great, a great place to, to be at it. And I think, um, to, to, I think one, one thing I've also come to also understand is, like you said, where these self-limiting beliefs get to stem from, I, I, from my own experience, I know that there is, um, the family side of it, maybe what you grew up to see with your family members yeah. or saying daddy and mommy saying, yeah um engineering law and uh, medicine those are the top courses whatever courses you do after that then you're a failure you yeah. can't make it in life and people get to you know think that way and they feel like oh, if you're doing psychology you'll not make it in life yeah right so <laughs> yeah and also from life experiences maybe something happened to you it was um, yeah. um and you just feel like maybe you used to have money growing up and then maybe something happened to your parents finances and no money again you start to feel like ah I can never make it in life or I'm this type of person. I'm not good enough. You know, different um, situations or even your education, like the example I gave, my teacher or mm -hmm. your colleagues did something to you. The assembly example you gave, maybe you spoke in class and people laughed at you. So, you know, something is ringing through here to say that from these things get to happen from an early age, from that childhood where we get to pick these self-limiting beliefs. And I mean, the way you absolutely captured it, we should be able to have an understanding of what we like and what we dislike and being able to see the patterns and, you know, breaking free from it. So, um, I mean, to just cap it all overall, if you're to, you know, tell people, because whether we like it or not, there would be um, um, different faces of or maybe self-limiting beliefs that we get to even encounter as we get to live our lives, right? So how would you tell people, I mean, yeah. going by their, you know, 
day-to-day activities? How should they even overcome these self-limiting beliefs? How do they sort of like self-heal? Just, you know, the example you give, maybe is the example you gave, just maybe self-talking. How do people, you know, get to like, you know, cope with these things going forward? How do they cope with them? Yeah, so how do they, so for example, maybe um, um, something happens to you, right? You feel like you've healed. There is another similar feeling of self-limiting beliefs coming somewhere. I mean, how do you cope with it now that you're older, you're more aware that when things happen, they don't get to have any hold on you and you're able to coast through it and, you know, get better as a person? I honestly would always recommend therapy. I always will recommend that because we, particularly when there are things that have settled in our subconscious for so long, the process of first digging in and then getting past it may not be something that an individual can do without proper training to know how to do it. And in the first instance is to recognize recognize that something has shifted or something has gone wrong something has gone wrong in in my in my life or in my subconscious which was as a result of growing up i I always make emphasis of i said there's something i wrote once i said leadership parenting is the first level of leadership right and leadership is the last level of parenting Mm -hmm. and when we we as parents recognize that we have the responsibility to lead our children right, teaching them the value of values of life, choices and consequences, and how the choices that they make and the consequences that they could have on them, whether positive or negative, and teaching them how to choose in line with who they want to become, getting them to see the bigger picture and getting them to just be responsible for self as humans. That process is something that shapes from the beginning, shapes what you see at home shapes how you hear and what you hear right. now if there whatever the shaping has gone through if there's a need for an adjustment then you have to change environment sometimes we may need to change physical environment other times if we don't have the ability to change physical environment you have to change mental environment it is very important to change physical environments from sometimes because it just enables you to to recognize that all that you have experienced is not all that the world can offer. And which is why in, in, in back in the day, it may not have been so easy. But these days with the, with the presence of social media, you can actually just go on Google and experience, experience a new place, experience a new people, experience new, new principles and new values and recognize that if that can be done there, it can be done here. If that person can achieve on that level, and probably the only difference with us is, is I mean, it's the same blood that flows through veins. Color is just a color. They may be light-skinned and I'm dark-skinned. We're all humans. Right. They don't inhale gold while I inhale charcoal, <laughs> right? Idiot. If, 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 if with one brain, that can be achieved on that level, then... How can I make this work for me? Which is now the place of first recognition, I say. Yeah. And then after recognition is taking responsibility for self in the now. Mm. In the now being that many times when we have been traumatized in the past, we refuse to move past that past. Mm. And sadly enough, it's an irrecoverable past. Right. So we are 
on a faster journey to healing when we recognize that the past is irredeemable, the future is unattainable. It's only a present that you have. Mm. So in this present, I can take responsibility for myself now and choose. The difference between who we are and who we want to come is just what we want to become is one major choice away. Right. To now decide what do I want to do differently or improve or change or stop. And based on that choice, right, is because of who I want to become. Based on this thing that I see that I want to become, what must I do differently today? Right. The future is not guaranteed, but in each moment ensuring that you are, which is where mindfulness comes in, mm. and that you are present in each present, mm. and being present, being being mindful of the air that you are breathing, and the ability to even see something, or the ability to just try to engage again and give your best in each day trusting that it is enough tomorrow comes great i give my best again but right. the tomorrow that we anticipate never comes because by the time it's tomorrow it's another today right mm. so each day how best do we make use of that today mm. understanding the past only read only only think about the past to learn from it right not to rehearse it not to repeat it not to nurse it not to complain about it because no matter what you do, it doesn't change it. Right. But what can I do in the present in the better interest of the tomorrow when it becomes another present? Mm. Mm. So mm. all of that is tracking us first, recognizing that, oh, now I am here. Okay, what can I do about it? What do I want? Based on what I want, what can I do now to get what I want? And how do I take it one step at a time, one minute at a time, and just breathe through the process and trust that the process work out in my favor applying active hope yeah fantastic (laughs) and i think you know the way you wrapped it up essentially you're saying time is now there is no past there is no future at the end of the day so you have the responsibility to choose you know how you let these beliefs define you as a person and um Thank you so much, Steph Red, for joining. It's been an insightful session. I, I feel like there are many things I would go home to go and process. It feels like a mini therapy. Thank you so, so much. Oh, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Rita. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we've learned a lot today from um, what self-limiting beliefs entail, how to identify them and how to overcome any sort of like self-limiting beliefs from holding us back to become our best self. And um you can follow Steph Red on Instagram at um, I am Steph Red for you know insightful engagements like this, and um, kindly follow at the Self Transport on Twitter and Instagram, and you know subscribe, like, and share as we get to roll out more episodes. Till we meet again, peace and love. Bye. Bye.